Welcome. You are listening to What If, a podcast for tarot professionals where we talk about some pretty intense subjects. Actually, we're talking about some uncomfortable topics such as illness, death, divorce, income loss, retirement. These are topics that most of us don't want to talk about, but that we really need to discuss. Every episode, we're going to be tackling some of these big what-if questions that you may be privately wondering about. But we're also going to be offering up some options, some solutions, some stories and thoughts. Our subject matter might feel scary, but ultimately this podcast is all about inspiration and encouragement. And our philosophy is that every dilemma can be resolved. And things are always easier when you know that you are not the only person feeling nervous or stuck. We're all in this together. I'm your host, Teresa Reed, also known as the Tarot Lady, and my co-host is Wald Amberstone of the Tarot School and author of The Secret Language of Tarot, and this is episode one. So let's dive right in. Welcome, Wald. Are you ready to get this podcast series rolling? I am. I am indeed. This is a really, you know, a really important subject, and I am really excited to talk about this with you. Our first episode that we're talking about today is about the questions, the age-old questions is what I like to call it. Uh, you know, with, with age, it brings wisdom, but age also brings big problems, and these are problems that many of us don't consider. So our conversation that we're starting today is about these what-ifs that you may think about as you're nearing or passing retirement age or, or actually if you're any age. And I want to talk for one brief moment about how this podcast came about. Uh, a few months ago, Wald contacted me, and he started telling me about this subject. So we started talking about this. So, Wald, you really got this ball rolling, and I know this has been something that you've been talking about with other tarot readers. Um, you know, face it, we're an aging industry. The majority of professional tarot readers are now over 50. So what I'd like you to do, Wald, is tell me about some of the things that you've been hearing from some of our fellow tarot readers. I have recently joined Facebook. I have not been on it all that long. I am a latecomer to the 21st century, I'm afraid. But now I'm in it. And in the process, I get to see and hear lots of things from lots of people that I wouldn't otherwise know. And I hear about people who have either lost a relative, a husband, or a wife, or a mother, or a father. And sometimes uh, they have lost them to death. Sometimes they've lost them to divorce or other things, and they are, in some cases, panic-filled. Their lives were built around their relationships in one way or another. The emotional impact, the financial impact, the impact on energy and attention, they were, in many cases, very major factors in their daily lives. A lot of people whose names you, you, know, you would know if you were a tarot person have had that kind of thing happen to them. I won't mention any of those things because that's kind of private matters, but uh, a lot of people have, and I just came across it by accident. And then I had my own issues. I have been basically pretty healthy. My wife, Ruth Ann, who's my partner in this business, is not. she's basically pretty healthy, but she's got, she's got health issues. We run a business together, and if either one of us gets sick, my God, half the business goes to hell. And uh, I am aware of myself getting older, and even though I have the same tendency that most people do to regard myself as immortal in some way, 
I am now not quite so sure of that. And I'm looking at the interesting questions that began to arise for me. What do I do when the need to earn a living is not met by my ability to do that? What do I do when I get old enough that either I don't want to do this anymore, I want to retire, but because I haven't got the kind of you know resources to do that, I can't, and I have to keep working. What does a person do when they're 90? I mean, you know, how do, I'm looking at this. It's not that far away from me. And so I have to consider those things. And because of the reports I got from other people and my own condition, I started thinking about it. And then I realized that nobody's talking about it, and we're all looking at it. I mean, I'm not any different than anybody else. I'm looking at a situation which is going to be happening. It's inevitable. The only alternative is to die young, which is something I certainly don't want to do. (laughs) So, you know, I'm looking at, well, how can I make my life continue to be the good life that it is, even when circumstances change, and circumstances have a nasty habit of changing. So I started thinking about it, and because I saw that nobody else was saying anything about it, I thought that it would be a good idea, Teresa, to talk with you, since you are very, very strong as a as a communicator and have uh you know good technological you know uh, capabilities i thought that possibly together we could produce a uh, series of some kind that would be an eye opener and a conversation opener about really an extremely important subject well i think it's a great great subject to talk about and, you know, I've got my own little stories that have gotten me thinking about these things, too, and I'll, I'll share a few of them. Um, you know, even though I'm a bit away from retirement age, stuff still happens. You know, you're, there's no guarantees. You can be 30 and still have problems or 40 and still have issues that come up in your life, too. You know, one, one thing that happened for me that was a huge wake-up call was a number of years ago, my husband and I, we also both thought we were immortal. So (laughs) I know that thought frame very well. Oh, we never get sick. Nothing ever happens to us. So we decided we didn't need health insurance. So we went without health insurance for many years, and I put money away in the savings, was building up a nice little nest egg, and, you know, feeling pretty invincible. Well, my husband is also a martial artist. And you can guess where the story's going, right? So he was doing Tai Chi one day, and he had a really freak accident. He got his finger caught on another martial artist's shirt, and it bent his finger in such a way it broke his hand in the middle of the hand. So there was no doubt about it. He had to get a surgery. So with no health insurance, what that meant is it wiped out our entire savings. And let me tell you, that wasn't a very fun thing. Um, but, you know, he had to get his hand working again because he's also a musician. So we had to reboot our savings from scratch, and we finally went and got um, we went and got health insurance after that because that's something we never considered. We thought, oh, nothing's going to happen to us. Well, you know, you just don't think about things like a freak accident. And the second story that I want to share is about 10 years ago, my mother passed away. And she was only 70 years old. And what happened is she left behind my 90-year-old father. Yes, there was an age difference there. And she left him behind with a mountain of debt in a house that was sorely need of repairs. I mean, it had a lot going wrong with it. It needed a new roof. It needed siding. 
It needed a new water heater. It needed a new well. The well was actually condemned. So it had expensive problems. And my father had no idea on how to balance a checkbook. He had no idea how to manage, or in her case, mismanage any of the stuff she kind of handled. Um, There were no funeral plans. There's not much in their savings. And, you know, it was a pretty dire situation. You know, and not only was this hard for him, because he just didn't know how to handle all these things, but suddenly it became very hard for me. And at that time in my life, I'm running two businesses. I've got kids that are going through college. So there was a lot going on that I was trying to deal with then. And I suddenly had to rearrange my entire life to take care of my dad for four long years. And, you know, I wasn't prepared for that. And he wasn't. And it was hard. You know, it was a a very mystifying situation I had to figure out pretty quickly. You know, so over the course of those years, I've learned about having insurance and managing money and managing my business better and thinking about things like funeral plans and leaving a will and saving money and all of that stuff and support systems. You know, but again, how often do we want to think about these things? Do you agree? Absolutely. There is a natural reluctance to bring to mind things that are uncomfortable, painful, unpleasant, scary, or whatever. It is actually, I think, part of the modern era. It's part of the new age, which has been with us now for some time, to, in quotes, think positive. And because you think positive, uh, any negative thought, and this would come under the heading of negative thoughts, sad things, scary things, frightening things, painful things, we don't think about them. It's a kind of a cultural uh, insistence that we not go there. And I think that that cultural insistence is pretty pervasive. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea that um, thoughts are things, which is also one of those New Age ideas, that thoughts are things, if you think about something, you are invoking it. Right. It is a kind of magical idea, which a lot of people subscribe to. But that, of course, completely eliminates the possibility of any planning. Right. So some kind of accommodation needs to be made between what might be a philosophical inclination and uh, what could be called a counterbalancing reality. Yeah. Nothing you can do. You have to do it or else you're going to find your, a person will find themselves eventually in a situation similar to the one you just described. Mm-hmm. It was not a fun situation for a 90-year-old to go through, you know, or oh. for me either. But, and, I mean, those, these are other scenarios that, you know, that we have to consider. What if you're responsible for your parent? What if suddenly, here's another example. I've got two good friends right now. This is a situation I never think about this. Let me, let me see if you do, Walt. I have two good friends right now who have husbands, and their husbands have Alzheimer's. Oh, boy. And suddenly now their lives are going through this really dramatic change because the person that they love is no longer 100% there, and they now have transitioned into caretaker. Um, have you ever thought about the possibility of what would happen if that if that happened for you or Ruth Ann? <laughs> we have that conversation on a regular basis. <laughs> I mean, we look at each other and say, well, how's your Alzheimer's today, you know? Right. i tell you, one of the interesting things is that um, even for people who are in your age bracket, you're considerably younger than I am, uh, even for people in that age bracket, it has come to the time 
when occasionally you can't remember a word that's a very normal word. Mm -hmm. You lose a name. You can't remember that movie you saw last week. You know? Oh, yeah. And that has apparently so common that it's now a laughing matter. We get together, and when somebody starts groping for a word, we all go start laughing. Not laughing in derision, but laughing in recognition because we all share the same problem. Oh, yeah. I do that, too. I mean, you know, I find that sometimes I'm like, what the heck is that thing I was supposed to do today? Yep. Thank God for sticky notes. You know <laughs> Exactly. But you, but, you know, when you get to the point where you have to leave yourself sticky notes on the kitchen door, yeah. you know you're in trouble. Right on, right on. So that's, uh, but by the way, just so you know, I have sticky notes all over my computer desk. <laughs> you didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's to make sure I stay on track with this. I mean, because I've got a lot of balls in the air right now, you know, and uh, a lot of things that I'm trying to manage, which most of us do. In this day and age, we're all busy. I don't think there's many of us that are just sitting around being bored. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. In fact, the joke around here is that we have in our building, we live in a in a in a condo in a co-op building and it's a pretty big place and a lot of younger people are here and they have children. They have little kids. And I mean by little kids, I mean any, anything from toddlers up to 5 or 6 years old. These little kids have more to do than they can possibly handle. They have play dates and pre pre-K and and doctor's appointments and their nap times and their food time. These little kids are so damn busy. I don't know how the hell they manage. I don't they ha- they don't even have a childhood. They're so busy just doing the things that are naturally scheduled into their lives that you have to keep a diary just to know what to do with your little kid. Yeah. And if you're in school, if you're a kid in school with your 50-pound backpack even though everything is supposed to be computerized, you have so many things to do that yeah. is positively frightening. And as we get older, too, even when we do get near retirement age, we still have a lot of things that we are trying to manage. We're trying to manage our health. We're trying to manage our businesses, our finances, our retirement, all this stuff. You know, that's the thing. There is so much that we have to manage at any given stage in our life. So sometimes, too, because we're so busy, we don't stop and think about all these things that can go wrong. Are you um, uh, talking specifically now to tarot people? We're talking specifically to tarot people, but I have to say this, Walt, this could actually be a conversation that anybody could be having and should be having. There was a time for a while when people went to work, they got a salary, they stayed in their jobs for long periods of time, And at the end, they retired with a retirement plan, Social Security, and whatever savings they had. And it was normal. And with one salary, a man could take care of a family. The woman would normally stay home. Mm -hmm. And between the two of them, they would cover all the bases. And when they got older, they would retire. And all of it was encompassable by what was possible to make in the way of money, you know, in the normal scheme of things. All you needed to do was have a nice, steady job, doing something you were good at, and stay there until the time came that you retired. These days, there's far less of that kind of thing available. The corporations are not providing that kind of uh, solidity, that kind of long-term longevity and and support. A lot more people are self-employed. Tarot people in particular, either they already are self-employed or they're looking to be self-employed. They'd rather do tarot than do a job that they don't particularly care for. And so there's an awful lot of people, not only tarot people, but a lot of people, who are self-employed and therefore don't have the security blanket 
you know, of a corporately managed retirement plan. Right. And, and that means that you've got an, a lot more to think about than you used to. Absolutely. You know, my father worked at a foundry for many, many years, and he got a small pension. He also got a really incredible health care supplement that he had until the day he passed. So that really helped him out a lot. Um, so even though his situation still wasn't ideal, there were things in place from that very solid job that he had. And he had to support four children. Um, and my mother, who had lots of health issues, she was a stay-at-home mom, but he was able to do all that on that one foundry income. That is almost unheard of now. Yes. That is almost unheard of. Most people I know in this day and age, the you know one partner works full-time, the other partner might work full-time or part-time. Sometimes one partner stays home with the children. You know, and, and there's other situations, too. It, it's just not – it doesn't look the same as it looked back when I was growing up. No. And even if you're younger, let's say, for example, you are a, uh, oh, a young 20s person who is either in school or just recently out of it with a job that doesn't pay all that much because I think entry-level jobs, except in high-tech situations, are mostly, you know, relatively low-paying. Those kids want to be on their own, mm-hmm. and they go out with their little salaries, and they get together in groups of three or four or five and rent an apartment together somewhere, and they live on the combination of half a dozen incomes along with whatever supplements that their parents can throw in. And if their parents were not able to help out, they would find their economic existence almost impossible to manage. Oh, yeah, and, you know, there's actually now what I find, too, is a lot more young people stay at home for a lot, lot longer than when I was back in the <laughs> day. I, yeah, absolutely. And I know a number of parents were thoroughly annoyed with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my bro- <laughs> my brother stayed in my parents' house till he turned thirty. I was out when I was seventeen. I couldn't right. wait to get out, and you know, I was lucky that I was able to find ways to get out there and live my life. But for a lot of young people, it's not that way anymore because a lot of them are also coming out of college with these huge student loans. That's right. another thing we don't even think about. What if I get out of college, I have this huge student loan, now I've got to go make it in the world? You know, again, these what-ifs are just, they're not sexy topics, Walt. No, they're not. They're not sexy topics, but they seem to be built into the kind of life we all lead now. One way or another, we live on the nice edge. Mm-hmm. And one little push in any direction, and we could find what is viable today to be not so viable tomorrow. Yes. And even if things are going okay today and have been for a while, as you pointed out with your story about your husband's finger, you never know. Yeah, we're not invincible. That's the what-if quality. And uh, I think the point of our conversation here is that it is a really good idea to be in some measure prepared for what life has to throw at you, especially when you know that life is going to throw stuff at you. It's not like maybe yes, maybe no. At one point or another, life is going to throw you a curveball. Yes. Let's talk about a couple of the curveballs that we might want to consider. A couple that maybe, you know, we've kind of addressed some of them vaguely here, but let's just take a moment to go over a few things that might happen. Again, we don't want to think about it, but it might. Um, One of the things that I think about a lot, because I grew up with a very sick mother, and after the hand incident, I do think a lot about what would happen 
if I got sick or disabled, and I can't run my business the way I used to. Now, you've mentioned, too, that this is something you and Luzanne talk about. Yes. Well, in our case, we have a business that was created, conceived, executed, and maintained as a two-person business. Mm -hmm. There was never the idea that one of us had a business and the other one would simply help out once in a while. Our business has been integrated between the two of us from the beginning. Ruthann has certain talents and abilities that I don't have. I have certain talents and abilities that she doesn't have. Together, they they produce a beautiful combination. But if one of us were to be disabled or sick or injured or dead, the business itself would essentially dry up and blow away almost overnight. Neither one of us could sustain this business by ourselves. First of all, it's too big and too complicated for, for one person to handle. It was just conceived as too complex an operation for one person to be able to do it. And for another another thing, neither one of us would probably have the spirit mm-hmm. to continue if the other one wasn't there to help. And that's very honest to say out loud about the spirit part. Yeah. There is a lot of the planning and, uh, you know, kind of I, I, thinking and discussing that revolves around money. Mm-hmm. Money solves a lot of issues. If you're rich, let's assume for the moment that you're rich or well-to-do or <clears throat> at least... I like that well, fantasy. It, it's a nice it's a nice fantasy, but even people who have a lot of money are oftentimes broke. I mean, you can have a million dollars in the bank. Well, let's say, let's say you're one of those people who does pretty well on Wall Street and you're making $8 million a year. Well, just, I'm using that as a, just as a random figure. Well, if you're spending $9 million a year, you're broke right. in debt. So it's always a question of whether you're spending more than you're making, and I think almost everybody is in that position. There are a few people, a few in the world, who have made so much money that there's no possible way they can spend as much as they've got. But for the rest of us, it ain't that way. No. And so we're always on the edge financially. But money is not the only issue. Even as much as can be solved by the presence of money, there are other things. There is the issue of becoming tired of what you do mm-hmm. and not willing to do any more. Finding the work that you've chosen for yourself in your life if you're self-employed or a job that you're doing, that you've been doing for 20 years that you can't stand, either way, you don't want to do it. You're not motivated, and it's a kind of a slavery. And up to a certain point, your spirit can handle a burden like that. Mm-hmm. Most people have to do that anyway. But past a certain point, it's not bearable anymore. And then you have to consider what you're going to do. What happens when the purpose and point of your life can no longer be found in your work? A person without a purpose is a person who almost can't live. If it's severe enough, if the issue is severe enough, the lack of purpose and the lack of passion can actually be as dangerous as the lack of money. And I don't, I, that's a whole situation by itself. It's um, uh, an issue that maybe we'll get a chance to address as a separate matter. But money is one thing and spirit is a separate thing, and there may be other things as well. Oh, sure. You know, my business is set up that there's no way my husband could handle it if something happened to me because it's the tarot lady. You know, he can't just, I mean, he's got better hair than I do. He can't, (laughs) but he can't put on a disguise and do my work for me. He doesn't even understand exactly how I have all of this stuff set up. So if I become disabled or I die, my business is definitely gone. It's over. It's kaput. Uh, uh, You know, so that is something that, um, we do both. We're both quite aware of that. Uh, it, it would change everything if something happened to me. 
we'd have to do a complete 180-degree turn on how we're managing things. And my husband and I, we have our lives really well managed. He's an artist. I don't do art. Believe me, you don't want to see the kind of art. I, well, actually, you've seen my art, but uh, he's a real artist. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I and we have our lives really, everything is like, very planned out. I handle certain things. He handles certain things. One of the things that he manages is this house that we live in. And again, this is something we don't want to think about, but we have a real, we have a triplex and it is a big building. It has a lot going on in it. It's a building we've been lovingly renovating for the last like decade. We've still got some work to do on it. He does all the gardening, all the maintenance, all of the stuff, all the big jobs around here. Wald, if something happened to him, uh-huh. there's no way I could handle this house. I, I wouldn't want to. That's an issue we talk about all the time. What if? If That's he right. passed away, and I, I said, you know, the first thing I do is I call hoarders and get everything thrown out. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, right. joke, but all joking aside, I wouldn't want to manage this. It's too much. Yes, I know. How long have you been the tarot lady? I've been doing this as a full-time career for 25 years. How would you like to be doing the same exact thing for another 25 years? Well, that's my goal. I love my work. Well, good, as long as you love your work. But 25 years more, and you'd have been doing it for 50 years. You think you're still going to like it as much in 50 years? Oh, yeah. I'm really, you know, I'm one of those people when I, I like a lot of things. I'm a Gemini, but uh, when I find something that I really dig, Mm -hmm. I tend to stick to the same brand of car. I like to do the same work. I like to be with the same partner. <laughs> I like to have my certain routines. Mm-hmm. So for me, I can't really picture myself getting sick of this. I, you know, I, I never even considered that possibility. Now that you bring it up, mm-hmm. I mean, it could yeah. happen. Yeah. I could one day snap. You don't know. Well, even if even if that weren't the case, then we could, then we have the opposite consideration. Let's say that you love what you do, and you had another twenty five years to do it in. And if for some reason or other, this is one of those ifs, those what ifs things. If your husband wasn't around to carry his part of the financial load, you would want to continue doing what you're doing, but would you be able to to manage the entirety of your personal financial universe based on the, on the uh, business you're doing now? Oh, see, this this is one thing that I'm actually really quite good at. That's not an issue. That's not an people, issue for us. How many people can say that? Not many, and that that's a really great question, too. I mean, this is a thing for, for us as tarot readers to think about. You know, I love to manage money. That's one of my other things. I'm really into managing money. It's something that I do quite well. In fact, while when my mother passed away, she left my father with an incredible mountain of debt, and it was not good. And um, in the time that I took care of him, I got him out of debt. It was the first Mm -hmm. time he was ever on a budget in his life, and I made him do a strict budget. And my dad had to sit down with me every week in front of my computer. He had to learn. He didn't mm-hmm. learn computers, but he learned how to look at the computer with me and know exactly what it is what we were looking at. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's learning all this stuff at 90-something years old. Budgets, yeah. managing money, what, why you have to have a budget, why you have to balance your checkbook, how to deal with credit card companies. Mm-hmm. My, my dad got a pretty hardcore money education, and he's lucky that I'm actually someone who likes that stuff. Right. And so I was able to get him out of that debt and get his house sold, and get all the work done on that house, et cetera, et cetera, in the time, in the last few years that he was alive. But it's usually, only because, yeah, it's usually not like that. No, usually in a, a situation where there is a couple, 
one of the one member of the couple does uh, does the the taxes and that's then the balancing the checkbook and the paying the bills, and the other one does some other aspect of their joint life. Usually, one does it and the other one doesn't. Yes. And if you don't do it, you don't know how to do it. Exactly, and and you know the same the the same pattern works in our household. My dad did all the stuff around the house, and so you know I'm the one who manages all the money. Just like mom, the difference between me and my mother is I am fiscally conservative and I am hardcore about money management. Mm-hmm. So we're in great shape now, but we're only in that great shape because I've been very good at doing that. And a lot of us, as tarot readers, this is why I find with tarot readers, and you know I love my community so much. And that's why I also love the idea that we're doing this talk because I want to look out for our peers. And what a lot of our peers love to do is they love to read tarot. And when you start talking business stuff and money stuff, they don't like talking about those subjects. I found that again and again. I start talking business or money. It's a topic that doesn't excite us. We want to talk about tarot. We want to we want to uh-huh. throw down cards, you know. We want to do things like meditation and mystical things, and we want to learn about, you know, the Kabbalah. So talking about money management and... <laughs> <laughs> Kabbalah and money management, right? A whole new topic. Right. I mean, don't you find that to be true, that these, again, are not sexy topics? No, they're not. But, you know, it's interesting. I get... Um, my job is to teach rather than to read. And so most of my earnings uh, as a business are revolve around teaching. And the reason why people continuously come for, for instruction is because they want to learn to be readers. Or either they don't know how to read yet, they're newbies and they need to know and they want a structured education, or they're experienced intuitive readers who want to know more uh, so that they can do their job better and a lot of people come with the idea that they are going to transition from their day job to being a full-time tarot professional. Even if they have a number of years behind them of playing around with they don't necessarily have uh, what you would call a going business, and they want to exchange their corporate world job for a tarot business. Not having any idea how much they are going to have to learn nor having any idea of what the business is that they think they're getting into. And I don't know how many tarot readers you know who are completely economically self-sufficient based on being a reader. Do you know a lot of those? No, I don't. Exactly. We know a lot of people. We don't know a lot of those. It seems to be a difficult thing. It's not the easiest thing in the world to make a thorough living as a tarot reader. And if that's what you've chosen to do or if that's what you want to do, you would need to do some serious planning. You'd need to have an education in the business end of it just as well as you would have in the, you know, in the, in the reading end of it, in the technical end of it. And very few people are either capable of or inclined to do both. Exactly. And, you know, that, that's a really another thing, another what if. What if you quit your day job to pursue tarot as a full-time career, but then it doesn't work out? What are you going to do then? That's right. a question people don't think about. I have been uh, in business for myself for... 40 years or more. It's been that long since I've worked for somebody else. I am thoroughly ruined if for that. If for some reason or other my business were to go away, I would have a hard time figuring out what to do because I can't take orders anymore. Right. I've got the same problem, Walt. I'm not very good at taking orders. So, you know, bowing my head to the inevitabilities of, of, of the corporate universe is not something that I don't, I don't even think I could do it, and I don't think anybody would trust me to do it, so nobody's going to hire me anyway. 
So I have to figure out how I can take the business that I've got and produce enough income from it so that if it were to shut down, there would be something left over. Also, I would have to figure out how to take the active part of my business, which requires my continuous attention, and develop to a much greater extent the passive side of the business, which does exist, but which needs considerably more work to make it viable. How to change from an active to a passive income is a whole universe, a whole technical subject unto itself, but if you're a tarot reader, you're earning your living by doing the work. You are exactly. basically you're getting paid for your labor. What do you do when you are no longer able to do the labor? When you're simply not up to doing it, if for some, or even if doing the labor doesn't provide you with enough income, you know, to make a a a, a complete to cover you completely, you have to have something behind it in addition. So, the trick that we're talking about here is how to turn oneself into, to the greatest extent possible a self-sufficient machine, mm-hmm. a self-sufficient person who is self-sufficient spiritually as well as self-sufficient financially. And being self-sufficient is not something that people are used to thinking about. Mm-mm. I mean, really, you're so dependent on community. We all are. We need the people we are attached to. We need our husbands and wives and children and parents. We need our friends in our community. <clears throat> we need our country. We need our culture. We need our, our cell phones. We need everything. To be able to be independent is actually almost beyond the possibility. It's very, very rare that you can do that. And even if a person were rich, the other parts of his life might not be so easy. The spiritual part, the purpose part, the meaning part. And so um, we're talking about a subject that actually has all kinds of ramifications. And you need to be an economist, a business person, a philosopher, and something of a little bit of a of a mystic in order to get all of these things in hand. That's a big job. And let's not forget, too, in this day and age, you have to be kind of a techie, too, because all of a sudden we, we're, I mean, do you remember watching Star Trek back in the day when they had the little phones and all those gadgets and stuff? Yeah, the, stuff? Communi- the communicators, I remember. Now we have, that's our reality now. Uh, and if you've been refusing all of that on top of all this other stuff, you have to be, you, I mean, here you are now, you also <laughs> have to become tech savvy. That's right. And there is a lot of things that we have to think about because it's not only that we can change or situations can change, but also the world is changing. And if we can't adapt to the world, we're going to have big issues with our businesses. You know, Walt, my business looks a lot different than it looked 25 years ago. Absolutely. If I was running my business now, like I ran it 25 years ago when I didn't know what the heck I was doing, I would be a very broke tarot reader. I had to get up to speed with all this website stuff, and I was not a techie person. Do you know why we're having this conversation? Hmm. Why? Because you can do it and I can't. Well, there you go, but, but we're doing this. But we're doing it regardless. We're finding a way to both do it together. And that's a really key thing that you just brought up here. That's right, and I did it on purpose because that leads into the subject area of how you engage the world around you to provide the uh, resources that you don't have for yourself. Absolutely, and that is so important because ultimately what it comes down to is even if we're totally on our own, we're not. And we do have people around us. We have our community of people that we know, people who are very gifted and talented or kind 
and we can come together as a community and work together so that we have the support that we need for the things that maybe we don't know or don't mm-hmm. understand. We have so much knowledge in our industry and so many people from wonderful different ways uh, of doing things, different ways of living, different thoughts, different talents, and we really got a great group of people here. That's really the ultimate resource, and the idea that you know it takes a village. Yes, is not um, irrelevant here. This is where this is where it becomes important. I have a a, a kind of a phobia of small town life. Oh, so do I. I'm a city gal. Yeah, me too. And so the idea of actually living in a physical village is something that would frighten me. Mm-hmm. What I'm used to is living in a kind of splendid isolation from which I can reach out whenever I want to to yes. engage the wider world. But in order to be taken care of when the time comes, who is going to take out my garbage when I can't walk down the hall? Right. Who is going to go shopping for me? Who is going to cook my dinners? Who is going to clean my house? You know, physical things that require physical presence where simply a Facebook connection isn't enough. Exactly. And, you know, and if you don't have family, then your community, your tarot community, becomes very important. My my father was lucky that he had me. Uh, he couldn't do his cooking at the end, and he hated my cooking, by the way. <laughs> because uh-huh. it was too fancy, but at least he had somebody there cooking for him. And just think about how many people don't have that. That's right. There is, I think, a um, uh, it, it's actually an official governmental issue, which I don't think anybody has as yet taken on. I don't think anybody in the government has actually formulated a policy mm-hmm. or even begun to think about a policy for handling the simply overwhelming tidal wave of elderly people that we are creating. Right. One of the issues that is current in the modern world is that people are living way longer. The number of people who are going to be over 80 and by, by 2030, as I understand, will triple. Yep. And the number of people who are over 100 is already 100,000 or more in this country alone. And the implication of that is, well, on the one hand, it's nice to be able to live longer. It's nice to know that you have a longer life expectancy. But what is the quality of life? And are we going to be healthy? And even if we're healthy, are we going to be strong enough to take care of ourselves? And if we're not strong enough to take care of ourselves, or if we're not as healthy as we would like to be, is there a net, you know, a safety net of some kind that society has provided to catch us if we're still very much alive with long term you know long periods of time to go before we're gone and yet we don't have the ability to take care of ourselves we actually outlive our own usefulness i mean when you were talking about your dad yeah you know you mentioned that he had 4 years or so i think i think you mentioned that yeah he was 94 when he passed yeah but there are people whose dads and people in the tarot community i know whose dads in particular last for 7 8 10 years yeah there's one woman I know who's been taking care of uh, one parent or another. I can't remember which one. It's been going on for 12 years now. She All she wants to know is when is it going to be over. Right. And so if a person lives to 80, that's one thing, because you can live to 80 and be in reasonably good health if you're lucky. You could live to 90, and if you're lucky, you can still have your brain. 
Yes. Not much body left, but there's still brain. But what happens when the time comes that you live to 100 or 110? As I understand it, the actuaries and the insurance companies are now of the opinion that the first person to live to 150 is already 50 years old. Right. So what do you do? Are you? There are people I know who say, I don't want to live that long. Well, yeah, you know, when the time comes, what are you going to do, kill yourself? Some people actually would. Mm-hmm. But the people who want to continue to live have to figure out how to live when they have actually gotten older than their ability to take care of themselves. And well, that's something that all of us, I think, are facing. We're actually looking down that particular tunnel. We all may very well live a lot longer than we are going to be strong. And that is why, you know, this conversation that we're having is so incredibly important. I think it's very timely, and I think it's something that is going to help get these get people thinking in our community, but maybe also in other communities too, about all of this aging business and what comes with that. When we talk about these things, we have so far brought up the problems. Yes. And, of course, one of the jobs that we're, we're going to attempt to, to, to deal with here is what possible solutions might there be. Well, we are going to be going over that in the upcoming episodes. We have uh, five more episodes. And this is just our, our little intro to get the ball rolling. So, you know, what I'd like to say for everyone who is listening to this, that if you've never thought about the what-ifs that might happen, I would like you to start thinking about it. You know, it might feel really scary at first, but if you start thinking about these potential issues, uh, you know, you can find solutions. So take some time after you've listened to this podcast to begin dialogues with your loved ones or fellow tarot professionals. Talk to your kids, your spouse. You know, if you're concerned about the what-ifs, don't be ashamed to talk about it because together we can eliminate any anxiety surrounding this topic and start to find solutions. One place that I'd like our listeners to think about heading over to is the Reader Studio Facebook page so that they can start to continue, you know, start more conversations around this or continue the conversation. And you can find that at the face, yeah, at facebook.com slash Reader Studio. I'd like to wind off now with a... We're going to start winding down here with a little quote that I absolutely love, and I think this really sums up our first episode, Wald, and I think you're going to like it. It's a quote from Emmanuel, and the quote is, There are no guarantees. From the viewpoint of fear, none are strong enough. From the viewpoint of love, none are necessary. Mm, I love the quote. One of my favorites. There's another one that I'd like to add to that. Yes. Not even failure is guaranteed. Mm. I love that. So, for everyone who's listening in, you have just finished listening to What If, a podcast for tarot professionals. This has been episode one out of six. To listen to all six episodes for free, visit thetarolady.com and click on the podcast tab under freebies or download them on iTunes. I also want to remind you to go check in on the Reader Studio Facebook page so you can begin talking about this subject with other tarot pros. 
Be sure to tune into our next episode where we'll discuss tarot business. We're going to talk all about the business stuff, whether you're new to business, whether you're established pro. We're going to talk about how to set yourself up so that you can stay in business no matter what. It's going to be a very meaty episode. This podcast was recorded at the Tarot Lady Studios and edited by Teresa Reed. And our opening song was written by Dr. Christopher Lloyd Clark at royaltyfreemeditationmusic.com and used with his permission. Special thanks to our tarot community for getting these dialogues started and especially to Walt for taking the initiative to create something useful from these conversations. Again, I'm your host, Teresa Reed, and my co-host is Walt Amberstone, and I'm wishing you a beautiful rest of your day and many blessings. We'll see you next time. Thank you.